From the southeastern corner of western North Carolina, this is Polklore. I'm your host, James Hernishan. Almost since the day the last coal train rolled down the Saluda grade 21 years ago, the idea of converting the rail bed to a bicycle and hiking trail has captured the imagination, if not the pocketbooks, of Polk County's leading citizens. At first, the scheme wasn't much more than a fantasy. The railroad, Norfolk Southern, repeatedly insisted that it had no intention of abandoning its right-of-way, and there were others who would have liked to see the grade turned into a seasonal excursion line for tourists, like the Great Smoky Mountains Railroad over in Bryson City. When I first heard such talk, I thought that actually wasn't a bad idea. I could see a business case for a service that included hauling cyclists up to 1,500 feet of elevation gain to Saluda so they could cruise back down. Not everyone's in good enough shape to ride all the way up, after all. But that was a long time ago. Although Norfolk Southern made $11 billion in revenue and $4.5 billion in profits last year, and although the company was supposed to take care of the tracks in return for its right-of-way, none of that money went back into maintaining the grade. Substantial portions of the line are now in such poor shape that even if anyone wanted to bring back the trains, their accounting department would have a fit. All of a sudden, though, there's a real possibility that the rails-to-trails vision for the grade will actually come about. This summer, we learned that Norfolk Southern has finally agreed to sit down and talk with an interested buyer. That buyer is a group of three nonprofits, Conserving Carolina, Upstate Forever, and Spartanburg-based PAL, which stands for Play, Advocate, and Live Well. If they can reach a deal, the 31 miles of track from Inman, South Carolina to Zirconia, North Carolina will be ripped up, hauled away, and replaced by a trail for cyclists and hikers. Sounds great, right? I think so, but not everyone is convinced. Rails to trails are popular all over North America, especially in places like Polk County, which don't have enough people for a commuter rail line. But each project is unique. The Thermal Belt Trail in Rutherford County, for example, is very different from the Swamp Rabbit Trail between Traveler's Rest and Greenville. I know people who aren't comfortable with the idea of getting a flat tire on certain sections of the Thermal Belt Trail. And then there's the fact that not all of the Saluda grade is all that flat, which could make sharing a path a bit tricky. So there are questions. If you want answers from someone close to the source in Polk County, that would be Mark Byington, who has long been a director of Conserving Carolina. I joined him on his porch at his home near Tryon earlier this month. Mark Byington, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. So let's begin by talking about how you came to be involved in the uh, Saluda Grade Rails to Trails project. Yes, uh, I am uh, just rolling off the board of Conserving Carolina as a board director. Uh, and uh, Conserving Carolina is one of the players uh, that is uh, behind the effort in this multi-two-state effort to uh, bring this to fruition. The other two major components of that effort are Upstate Forever, which is a land conservation uh, agency in upstate South Carolina, and uh, PAL, which is out of Spartanburg, that is the uh, play advocate, live well, although it used to be known as Partners for Active Living, and they are mainly involved in outdoor recreation trails and stuff like that. 
those are the three groups. Uh, I was asked, um, as they started putting together a group to actually look at this uh, feasibility of this project, the um, Norfolk Southern Rail had for many years abandoned that line as far as use, but only until last year did it actually did they come out and say they wanted to sell it, and you know they wanted to sell a section of it. So these groups came together fairly quickly at that notification to see how what it would take to put a, a multi-state effort behind it and make it a reality to make a rail trail. And uh, conserving Carolina, since I was on the board, it was agreed that uh, each group would have representation from Conserving Carolina, Upstate Forever, and Partners for Act or PAL. And so that's that's pretty much. I was uh, one of the directors involved. Um, we have another director and two staff members at Conserving Carolina. So that's how I got involved. Um, and that pretty much started at the beginning of the year when the Saluda Grade Trail Conservancy, 501c3, was developed, whose sole purpose is to negotiate with Norfolk Southern to make this purchase. And your personal interest, other than your connection with Carolina Conservancy? Yes. So I've, I've been in Tryon since 2000. I've been here for 22 years. And I'm a landscape architect by trade, as I still do, um, landscape architecture design work. So all through my career, I mean, ever since the, you know, the 90s, early 90s, I've been going to national conferences and learning about these rail trails, the conversions, and what they were doing to the communities in terms of the economic development. If people know about the Virginia Creeper Trail up in, in Damascus and Abington, uh, what an incredible turnaround for those communities that were you know, pretty much flagging after the railroads had shut down. So it, it, it became an interest because I was on the Tryon Downtown Development Board Association and was head of the design committee. We were always trying to figure out how we were going to deal with this rail coming through the middle of downtown Tryon. And wouldn't it be nice if it was available for use as a pedestrian path and connected to other towns along the same rail? So there was always this idea once the rail stopped in 2001... The, the, the use of the rail, what's going to happen to it? And that was always in the back of many of our minds. It could be a multi-use trail for pedestrians, cyclists, and, and so forth. Was there uh, any real debate about what the optimal use would be for an abandoned rail bed? I mean, the obvious alternative is another rail system, yes. uh, but we don't really live in a high-density part of the world where commuter rails would make economic sense, right? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, commuter rails uh, would not. I think the, the really only other option for this would be an excursion-type uh, train, uh, not quite a Tootsie Railroad, but... The Great Tootsie, Smoky Tootsie. Mountains. Yeah, 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 the Great Smoky Mountain uh, Railroad. So something of that nature. Uh, but in reality, you know, the railroad wants to sell the property. And it's it's not going to be a cheap acquisition. The fact that the rails are there is not really true. There, are, The rails are partially there. There's been washouts up the grade, uh, the damage to the rail lines... It's going to make 
it's going to take a tremendous amount of uh, of capital and effort to rebuild the rail to make it usable again for something like an excursion train. Uh, we, nobody sees the financial, the economic feasibility that that makes, is going to make any sense at all for anybody to do once they just purchased the rail line to begin with and then have to rebuild the rails and start this. So we think it's the best use for the community as, as a whole for both states, and there are a lot of people who are in agreement with that. Well, that's the, my first real question is, uh, do you sense that the community as a whole, Polk County as a whole, or at least the southern part of Polk County that's you know along the rail line, uh, is generally in favor of, of this? You know, there's going to be opposition. We know it. Uh, we've seen it in the past when there was a earlier effort to at least start the process of thinking about a rail trail, and that was a few years back. Uh, there was opposition then. We know there's going to be opposition. However, uh, yes, I, your question is, yes, I think so far we're hearing overwhelming support for this idea based on what it means to the community. Uh, not just an economic driver, even. I mean, I, my wife and I have bicycles and we don't really have a place to go bicycle and i'm not really wanting to get out on the roads these days with people distracted by texts and stuff like that so having a, place, a safe place for families to take their kids and go ride a bicycle is is kind of a main driver behind this this idea that you can have this connection between towns that people will come from miles away to to use we know it's 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 a reality we have the data from the many many miles of rails trails that are not just in our region but all over the country and all over the world i think there's 25,000 miles of rails trails in the US alone right now so the data is there. We know that there's an economic driver, but it's also great for recreational and health values of getting out and having a healthy lifestyle. And that means so much more to the community. Okay. What kind of time frame are we looking about in an optimal sense or, or alternatively in a realistic sense? How long will it take to see this thing come to fruition, assuming the negotiations with Norfolk Southern go as they were planned? Well, that's that's a very hard answer uh, question to answer. Um, yes, the first thing is uh, getting under contract. We would hope to have been a lot further along right now, but that's you know Norfolk Southern has its own time frame of things and the way they 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 move. We were moving pretty well with negotiations back in the spring, and then we had like a long radio silence over the summer that. Um, Kind of had us a little worried, but we are now back at the table with them again. We had a meeting two weeks ago. Uh, we feel like we're getting closer and closer to that contract. Once it gets under contract, the hope was that we would have the ability to close by the end of 2023. There's a lot of that has to happen there. Uh, first off, the railroad would have to apply to the Surface Transportation Board, the Federal Surface Transportation Board, for what's called a rail banking, and that enables them to sell the property but still retain the rights if in the future there is a, a paramount need for rail service to ever come back to this area, they could 
convert the trail back from a trail to a rail. And that's how, and that legislation began, and I think that was a federal legislation that was enacted in 1986, I believe, that allows the rail banking, and that's what we're going after. So that's a process in and of itself. You know, once we get it under contract, they will have to apply for that, and then we'll uh, have to raise money, a lot of it. So it sounds a little more complicated than just them giving up the, the rail right-of-way. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but what changed for Norfolk Southern? After 20 years of basically saying, we're not interested, don't want to talk about it, and now they've come to the table. I, I can't be for sure. I, I don't speak for Norfolk Southern. Um, you know, they, they do, as I said, move at their own pace, and it may be more a, of an ocean liner pace of turning than, uh, a, you know, a race car. So, um, yeah, I think that this is not the first time they've sold a portion of this, what's called the W line. The W line runs from Columbia all the way to Asheville. They, uh, back a few years back, they sold the portion from uh, just south of Flat Rock to Asheville to Watco, another yeah. rail company. Uh, and then, so now they're looking to sell this portion from Inman to uh, Zirconia. And it's uh, originally was 26.3 miles, uh, 26 point something miles. Uh, first of part of our negotiation because it started north of Inman. We said, can we extend it through Inman and include that community as, as part of the rail trail? And they agreed to that. So now it is 31.3 miles starting from 176 south of Inman and going all the way past Lake, Samuda, um, Lake Summit um, and into Zirconia. Now, my understanding was that the rail company liked the idea of keeping its options open with the, 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 the fluted-grade stretch because in case they needed it, if their other routes got destroyed by a landslide or something, they, they could reactivate this route and use it to haul mostly coal, uh, I think. We, yeah, I remember hearing those uh, same uh, statements back a few years ago. So yeah, I guess the, the the question is, you know, why you know why did why did they have a change of mind? And again, I don't know for sure, but obviously, if they don't have that section up into Asheville, why would they need the section from right. Flat Rock down to Inman? It also occurs to me that uh, the writing is now on the wall for the coal industry. Maybe fifteen years, and they're on all, all the coal plants will be shut down. So yes. there's no other reason for the line to be moving freight. And and that's a that's a reasonable assumption there. I mean I can't again say say anything for Northern Norfolk Southern, but yes, I mean there's probably multiple reasons. Kind of like a if it's true, then this is like a nice little positive side effect of uh the transition to clean energy. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, exactly. So um Norfolk Southern also had, uh, they got like a $500 million grant uh, about going green uh, a couple of years ago. So this, you know, this may be part of that equation as well. But they're still going to drive a hard bargain, do you think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it, you know you've heard of the Acousta Trail. Yeah. You know, and that was Watco. So it, it was a little bit different. This, this price per 
uh, you know, mile is is a lot higher than the Costa Trail was. We were different, dealing with different entities. And the fact that Watco owned the Acousta line uh, is different because they didn't really want that to begin with. It was a part of a package. They needed that main line of the W line and some other things. But this one, they said, you, get, you take it all as a package or nothing. So they weren't really using that at all and had less incentive to put a real steep price on it. But, it, you know, it, it did take some money. In this case, they, they pretty much said, this is our offer, we, you know, take it or leave it, but knowing that we weren't going to take it, we would come back, and it is a real estate negotiation. Um, we didn't come in with, with anything re- unreasonable as far as an initial offer. We did have a, uh, a very in-depth real estate appraisal done of the entire rail line, you know, that entire section. So we have a pretty good idea what the value is. That must have cost a fair bit just doing the appraisal. Sure. Yeah, there's been money already spent. There's been some money already allocated from the North Carolina legislation to for us to do a feasibility study. And the thing that the reason we're even talking today, the reason it's out there and we had to roll it out, was that, that South Carolina, their contingency applied for and got $5 million from the state legislator for this next year's budget. That, of course, was public news. And right. When Spartanburg and some other places started publishing that, we had RPR ready and ready to go and said, okay, we got to roll it out. We were hoping to have it under contract before. <laughs> yeah, I, I did remember when I saw the press release going, this is a little bit awkward. Yes. Uh, because all the pieces aren't in place yet. Um, do no. you? We're talking about tens of millions of dollars. Yes. Right. And the $5 million that South Carolina has come up with is just... It's a start. It's a start. If North Carolina matches that, then we're our hope. starting to look at something reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that brings me up to the, the really tough question, I think, is that Polk County, it, there's a lot of money in this county, but it, we're not a wealthy county um, in a big scheme of things. If you're talking about trying to scare up millions of dollars from those in a position to donate, um, you're me competing with other projects. Yes. And the YMCA of Spartanburg is looking very seriously at building a Y in Polk County, and that's going to cost more tens of millions of dollars, yes. um, especially if they build a pool, which might not be economically feasible, but it's what everybody wants. Yep. So the timing seems to me a little bit inopportune. Yes and no. I think the timing, uh, in a broader sense, from a federal and state budget level, may be as good as we think it's been in a while, and maybe we, we don't know what the future holds there. So we think that if we move fast, those monies, and that's where the big dollars will come from. We're not looking at county funding. We're, you know, it's town funding. You know, we may be asking county if they could take over maintenance in the future. Um, but that's in Spartanburg County has already agreed to do that. Okay. And so those, you know, and, you know, we do need local funds, though. We need local funds in order to provide local matching funds for those bigger federal grants and yeah, because the federal and state levels will only support a project if it has community yes. support, which has to be demonstrated by financial commitment, right? Correct. So 
I mean, how much money do you think we need to get committed from the county? So I don't know what we need from the county. Uh, again, no, I mean, the county uh, yeah, as, uh, yeah. as, as a community. I mean, and we've got several counties. You know, with this, and we have Polk County, Henderson County. And then, you know, South Carolina has primarily Spartanburg County, a little bit of Greenville County. But, you know, the, um, again, the issue, what we're looking primarily for is those big, big federal state, you know, monies, the grants that would enable this thing to really get going with the addition of, and we've already gotten some local support. I don't know if you heard of Polk County Community Foundation. Yes. Uh, $250,000 was one of the biggest monies they've allocated in their history uh, towards this project. And there's been $100,000, I believe, from uh, an, a philanthropist in Greenville County, in uh, Spartanburg County. So, the, you know, the, the local support will be, I think, enough to get those matching grants. And everybody can certainly help fund, you know, what we can there's going to be uh, Acousta Trail is is raising millions from individuals. There are so many individuals who have stepped forward with donations for that project. Well, I know that certainly cycling is a very popular thing to do, and like you were talking earlier, there's tons of people because I'm one of them as well who loves the idea of hopping on their bike and going out on a dedicated trail, but. Competing with traffic on 176 is not my idea of a fun time. It's not. I mean, you really, we have to go to the thermal belt line, like you said. We, you know, if we want to just spend a day on on a bike or you know go out for a morning, and that's you know that's a haul over to Rutherford, uh, Gilkey, uh, or to go down to the Swamp Rabbit, you know, and Traveler's Rest, pick it up there, and uh, so you know to have that locally available, again. Kids can have a safe place to get out, ride their bikes. People can have a safe place to get out and jog or walk. That means more than, to me, a lot of the economic numbers. Because we know that's going to come. The tourists will come. They'll spend their dollars. Businesses will pop up. You know, you'll have bike shops. You'll have the little restaurants, just like they have in Traveler's Rest. If you remember what, if you've been down to Traveler's Rest before the Swamp Rabbit Trail, you know what major impact. It's trip. a dramatic transformation. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I suspect Saluda, for one, where I live, uh, would really enjoy having that trail run right through the middle of town. Oh, they're all for it. And we're getting, so the main thing is getting these local groups and you know, organizations to put their weight behind it by endorsing it, like the Saluda Historic Depot uh, group has. And you know, having that local support, having the people to come together is going to make a whole lot of help, make this process a whole lot easier. Is there anything else that individuals can do aside from financial contributions to support the project? Yeah, just like I said, if you belong to an organization, I'm speaking to two of them today, you know, get out, get, get your group to endorse it. Uh, if you don't, you know, there may be some volunteer efforts. You know, we're, we're a long way from those. Yeah, we, <laughs> well, let's get back to the timeline again. Yep. 2023, the end of 23, if we're lucky, we've got a contract. If we're lucky, we might have a, a closing. A closing, even. Yeah, that, that's it's ag aggressive now that we've kind of had to wait all summer. But, yeah, um, we're still thinking in those timelines. Uh, and then would we think about 
rehabilitating the the trail, getting rid of the tracks, or so the the tracks would have to be uh, removed. That would be a salvage operation. Uh, Norfolk Southern said they didn't want to have anything to do with it, so they said, you know, you buy it tracks and all. We say, well, we're not wanting to really pay for tracks. That's not what we're interested in. But the bottom line is, uh, you know, there there may actually be a wash on that. You know, a salvage company may actually pay to haul it away. Haul, you know, when you think about all that metal, <laughs> steel, is in the rail lines. I mean, that's that's a whole lot of value there. But somebody's got to do it, and some of these areas are not very accessible, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Great. So we've got all that. There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of planning to be done, a lot of engineering. Uh, there, you know, we got to rebuild where the washouts are. There'll probably be some little bridges and things like that to span uh, those areas, make it safe. Um, we've got a lake to cross, uh, so that's going to have you know railings and all this, you know, surfacing. A lot of construction, within, and there's so many details that need to be hashed out. I mean, somebody asked me this morning, you know, was it going to be paved or is it going to be gravel? The answer may be both. Um, well, I would assume some sections would be more amenable to one than the other. Yeah. Uh, would this be done in sections, do you uh, think? Oh, yeah. You know it will. Um, and, you know, it may be that, you know, South Carolina is a little bit ahead of us, but it's a lot flatter there, a lot easier. You know, so, you know, people complain, well, you know, so going back to the grade, you know, the, as you know, Saluda grade is historically the, the steepest standard rate, uh, gauge rail line in the United States. But I'm a landscape architect. You know, I design uh, places for accessibility in and out of buildings, around parks and stuff like that. We have to comply with the American Dis- Disabilities Act. A sidewalk at 5% grade is considered accessible without rails for anybody. The steepest part of the salute of grade is 4.9%. Okay. Although, but I think length is also important. When yes. If cyclists are flying down yes. at a high rate of speed, you wouldn't want to be walking your toddler in that section. So that's why I said we may look at different surfacing. The Virginia Creeper is close to what Saluda Grade is. It's gravel. I mean, it's a, a you know, crushed aggregate surface, and that tends to slow people down. And that's probably what we'll think about in those steeper areas, especially when you get down into the towns and everything. I would certainly advocate for them being paved. It sounds to me like a decade. I would hope less than a decade, but it, it really is amount of, you know, the funding that becomes available after the purchase, if we can get the purchase money, <laughs> uh, as you, you know, the ballpark range that you know they, they initial wanted thirty million for the, that section. We're obviously negotiating, trying to get less, you know, yeah. make it less. Um, there's been some estimates that the construction may be another thirty. So you know that is a lot of money to raise. It's been done all over though, and. If we can get that support from the feds and the states, well, I think, you know, when they start seeing what it means to their tax revenues, then people will start to take it seriously and the big money will become available. And that's what it's really going to boil down to. I mean, the construction won't take that long. Uh, it's just getting there where you have the funding to do it. 
So maybe it'll be done in time for you and I to actually I certainly not have so, to George. ride an electric bike to, to enjoy it. <laughs> I certainly hope so. Uh, I, you know, I'm a, a little bit more optimistic. I don't think it's going to be a decade. Um, and I've heard a lot of people say, I hope it happens in my lifetime. And some of those people are a lot older than me. You know, there's been a lot of excitement about it, but we've got to temper that with the realities of a project this scale and magnitude. Well, that's part why I wanted to talk to you for this podcast, because when the press release came out, it was like a month ago or so, there was a lot of excitement and the Facebook was just blowing up with people talking about it. Um, but I don't think too many people really understood uh, the kind of details we talked about. And um, it will take a long-term campaign, right? I mean, yes. you, this is not something you, that's going to get wrapped up in a couple of years and then it'll all fall into place, right? We got to, it's going to have to be repeated. People are going to have to re revisit this over and over again to make sure that the community support is there and state legislators might have to be lobbied. They are already. Have you talked with Jake Johnson? Yes. Uh, initial, yeah. We've had initial conversations with him. You know, he's he's got some some ideas that uh, I think I, I I hit upon earlier, but um, uh, we'll we'll continue to work with him and answer anybody's questions. Uh, we want to make sure it's transparent. We want to make sure everybody's part of the the game here because it's infecting everybody, not just the towns that they're all for it. All the towns are for it, and they'll they'll tell you right away, yes, yes, bring it on. But it's the you know some of the people that live on the trails, uh, the right-of-ways and stuff, uh, that obviously it will be a big change, and they may not ever be for it. But we want them to be part of the discussion and to get them involved. And so we've sent out letters to everybody that owns property on the trail. I, I think there would be some property owners who would really welcome the idea of quick access to the trail for themselves. Yes. And others who are worried about uh, the fact that they might have been living in a very quiet place where no one ever came to visit and they like it that way and now there's going to be people going right past them it, it will but the thing is that people don't typically they're not static on the trails they move like you said past them um well i know on the swamp rabbit trail for instance uh when i i used to do that with my young one of my son was a lot younger and we would stop at Furman because it's a nice little place to have a picnic we would not stop at a place where there's, there's no obvious yeah. suitable picnic table or, uh, you know, nice view or something. Yeah. I mean, if you're going from Ruth up down to Gilkey on the Thermal Belt Trail, they've got one spot there where the old Mint was located that you could stop. But I never see anybody stopping elsewhere unless they're just taking a breather or something like that. Uh, it's, you know, it's fairly quiet. And that's the thing that it's going to be hard to just, you know, to, for people to understand. But I understand, and I think we all need to understand that these are real changes to people's lives. That um, uh, we want them to be part of the conversation. Well, I think most people will probably see this as a positive change. Uh, so it shouldn't be that hard to um, convince the f relative few who who might be troubled by it. Although. My experience in Saluda and where I'm chairing the planning board, there's always someone who doesn't like change. Oh, absolutely. And that's what I just said. It's going to be a change for people. And like you said, um, 
I, you know, I can I can certainly sympathize with those people. You know, but yeah, it. I also look at what's the common good for the community as a whole and the region as a whole, and um, and that therein lies the impetus for these two states and all these powers of be to come together and say, this is all for the greater good of our region. All right. Well, that's a good, uh, good ending point. So uh, thanks so much for doing this. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll check in again, maybe closer to contract closing. Sounds great. That interview was a perfect example of why folklore exists. I hope it helped fill in at least some of the questions you probably had about the Saluda Grade Rails to Trails project. Next week, I'll be returning to the 2022 election with the first of a series of interviews with candidates for the Polk County Board of Commissioners. I've invited all five, and I'll do my best to convince each one of them that it will be worth their time. Thanks for listening, and as always, if you have any questions or feedback, send them to jameh at polklore.com.